Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 670 score. Bruce Levine is here. I am David Haw in for Matt Spiegel and our Cubs convention coverage here at the Sheridan Grand is sponsored by the Wintrust Crosstown Series. Now is your chance to vote on a new trophy design. Visit Wintrust.com slash Crosstown. The top of the hour is brought to you by New Mail Medical Center. Discover the new you, NewMailMedical.com. And at this time, we are pleased to welcome in the Cubs chairman, Tom Ricketts, joins us. Good morning, Tom. Morning, guys. Morning. So we are going to talk to you about the Cubs offseason, but we want to keep you for a little longer, so we'll have to expand on that because it hasn't been much of an offseason yet. Yet. So, yet. But uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, let's start with last night because I think it was interesting when you were introduced and you were addressing this Cubs convention crowd. Uh, it's been a while since we've heard you boo, and you brought up the Marquee Network, and you were booed. How, how did that feel, and how surprising was that? Well, I'm not sure I was booed. Uh, No, I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, I mean, it's still still not 100% out there yet, and people don't really know what it is, and I think they're worried about change. Uh, I I think, ultimately, it's going to be the the best thing we can do for fans. Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, I mean, getting all the games onto one channel is going to be great. Getting the, uh, you know, just so you don't have to, like, search around for it every time. But, but then, like, all the content, it's all Cubs all the time. It's going to really go deep on our players. We're bringing back, there's a panel later today that's going to be very exciting for everyone because we're bringing back a lot of, uh, a lot of Cubs greats to participate in the, uh, in the channel. And like I said last night, I don't think anyone will boo in a year. I think it's all going to be a great thing for the fans and a great thing for the organization. Tom, uh, the unknown of uh, when it's... We know it's going to start up uh, around February 22nd, but the unknown of who's going to be carrying it, I think maybe that elicited the booze when you brought up the Marquee Network because people are unsure uh, if their carrier is going to have that. Uh, are, have you been assured by the people that, uh, you know, for the majority of the Cub fans are going to be able to, to get this right away? Well, we've already got a lot of carriage deals in place. So um, they're, uh, you know... A, 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 a very large percentage of our, a good percentage of our broader area has already have it. Obviously, the, the big one locally is Comcast. And um, I think that everyone has an incentive to do what's right for the, for the customers. So um, I'm pretty confident we'll get that taken care of. So, Tom, you hear it a lot. Uh, obviously, Marquee, I think people are excited about getting behind the scenes and getting more in-depth and getting to know the players better, getting to know the managers and the staff better, everybody better. Why... I'm asked this week, why aren't they doing, why, why isn't Tom doing the panel here? Why, why are they not getting a chance to ask questions, get to know you a little bit better, get to know your family a little bit better? What's the answer to that? Well, you know, we've done that panel for many, many years, and uh, honestly, it, it kind of was losing some momentum a few years ago. Like, the, you know, they really, uh, it was rated very poorly by the, by the people that turned in their surveys. By the people that booed? Yeah, nobody booed, but like the, <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, uh, it, honestly, it just kind of, we thought it was kind of played out. And uh, I'm happy to answer questions. As you guys know, I'm very, very accessible. I, I walk around convention. I walk around the ballpark. 
Um, there, there's really nothing for us to not talk about. It's just a matter of we thought we could fill that space with something a little more baseball oriented. And if people really want it back, you know, they can fill out the surveys and we'll bring it back. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's, um, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it for next year. But I, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of a tempest in a teapot. We're very accessible. So the, the, the way it works is there's so much question mark going on between uh, how you uh, hand, how you give Theo and the baseball department their budget and when it can be gone over, when it can't. Obviously, those are in-house things. Most companies don't talk about it. it does, it's probably not prudent necessarily for you guys to talk about it, but since the Cubs are a public trust and you've already spent, you were the second highest spender in baseball last year. First. Um, can you tell us about the dynamic between you, Theo, in the front office, and when it's okay to go over a budget, when it isn't, and how those type of meetings uh, are handled? Yeah, but we had the second highest payroll, but we had the number one baseball spend last year. because We were investing in other parts of the organization as well as on the field. Um, you know, ultimately what you do in baseball is you, you, you generate your revenue, you pay your expenses, and you put the dollars after that over to the baseball guys. And uh, we certainly have given, and we're at the point that we've earned through all the years of everything we've done at the park and all the good work done on the, on the baseball side of the organization, we're at the point where we're going to be amongst the top teams every year in baseball resources. Uh, you know, it's never, it's never going to be a season that, uh, you know, that money was the real object. I right. mean, the fact is uh, we're always going to be among the top spenders. I think, secondly, people have to realize that the correlation between how much you spend and how much you win isn't nearly as perfect as you'd like it to be, particularly for a large market team. Uh, the top two payrolls last year didn't make the playoffs. There was two teams in the playoffs combined had less payroll than we did. Right. So it's really not about just the money that, uh, that, that you put out there. I think the third thing is we're always investing away from on the field, too. Like I said, we had a very large spend. You know, we're doing, uh, we're putting a lot of new technology. We've reorganized the baseball organization to, uh, to try to drive the new player development strategies as hard as we can, and that's very expensive. We're building a multi-million dollar pitch lab in, uh, in, in Arizona and putting pitch labs all over our minor leagues. So there's ways of spending that fans don't see where we're investing in our future, but it's, it's not as obvious as getting a free agent. And Tom Ricketts here on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce Levine, he, I am David Hahn for Matt Spiegel, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. So, Tom, knowing that, and I think people respect the fact that, you know, you do have a budget and you do, you're trying to adhere to this luxury tax because the repeater penalties are pretty severe. Is it frustrating to continue to hear the conversations and, and we're, we're, we spark them and we discuss them because you see, on one hand, all the growth in Wrigleyville and all the growth around the ballpark and then the chairman of the team that you want to improve so badly and needs to improve in certain areas kind of stay true to a budgetary restriction that's viewed as a restriction. You mean talk about CBT, the competitive yeah. balance tax? Yeah, I don't, it's a factor. It absolutely is a factor. Um, obviously, we don't talk about what our goals are relative to our payroll or relative to CBT because that's just not something we, we discuss publicly. But but you know, the, there is in baseball, a, if you go over a certain threshold, you start to pay uh, a fine to the league and that money gets split back up to other teams, as well as you lose, when that money goes into a pot, 
that gets distributed amongst the teams that didn't pay in. Right. So you lose whatever you pay in, plus you whatever whatever you would have got out. The um, and every year you're above the threshold, your penalties go up. And then if you're above the threshold long enough and high enough, you end up losing draft status. So you, it costs you players if you if you're not careful about this. So. I mean, it's, it's a factor. You have to manage it. You have to be thoughtful about it. It's not the only factor, but it's certainly something that um, got put it in the last collective bargaining agreement that we have, to, we have to work around. We are live at the Cub Convention. That's the voice of Tom Ricketts, the owner and CEO of the Chicago Cubs. David Hawes along with me. We're here all day at the Cub Convention here on The Score. Tom, how disappointed are you, or maybe I should put words into your mouth, how, what is your perception of the scouting in minor leagues uh, over the uh, last eight now going to nine years as far as their job and the fact that uh, we seem to have to talk about free agents and trades because a lot of guys aren't being pushed through the system right now? Yeah, I think everybody, everybody wants to have more homegrown players, as they're called, more guys that come out of your own draft. We have had a lot of talented guys come through the system, and, and as you know, like, Several of them we've moved on to get pieces to help us in the current season. And uh, every, every July when you're in the pennant race and, and you're, you're, you're leading your division or top of your division, you're always looking for that extra player. And, and that's where you lose a lot of your talent. So it's a little unfair to judge our system by, uh, by the number of you know, Baseball America prospects right now because, because you guys know, we've, we've had to move a lot of those guys out to build in-season pieces. Uh, that said... I think that uh, we do have a good system now. We've got a few guys coming through. There's some guys with some real upside. I'm sure Theo and Jed will talk about them this weekend. And uh, I'm pretty optimistic. And then you throw in the fact that we've you know, redesigned our player development model so that we're really trying to get players to their maximum ceiling earlier. And, uh, and I think with some of the new progressive development strategies, I think we'll get more out of the players we have. So long run, I think we're good. I, obviously, we wish there were more guys that were closer in the pipeline to being contributing, but um, you know, a lot of those guys, we moved on. Tom, can you help us understand why it has taken so long for this grievance that was filed uh, by Chris Bryant about a service time issue that was in 2015, and we're still waiting for the results of that? Why is it taking this long, and, and how much has that held up, in your mind, this offseason from really beginning in earnest for the Cubs? You know, I really don't know why the timing turned out the way it did, but, you know, we can't control that. I mean, it, this is really a, uh, a discussion between uh, the union and the league. And, um, you know, and it's a, uh, you know, it, you know I, I can't control when the arbitration began. I can't control when the arbitration ends. Uh, you know, the timing isn't optimal for us, but, look, we just got to, like, take it as it is. There's nothing we can do. How do you... Um internalize uh, when you hear uh, your baseball department say, you know, well, we can't sign some of these guys who've been iconic Cubs. Uh, the most optimum thing we might have to do is be, uh, be trading them to get true value back for them. As a businessman, you might have one reaction, Tom. As a uh, guy who, like all the Cub fans, have fallen in love with these players and brought you a world championship, how do you look at that? Well, I think every team has to operate within the, uh, the constraints of the economic model around baseball salaries. And I think a lot of fans understand for the first three years, players play for minimum or slightly above minimum. And, and after that, they start getting their raises, you know, the four, years four, five, and six. At that point, if it's a player you want to keep for a long time, the optimal thing is to, uh, to find a, 
a way to extend them, you know, like what maybe what we did with Anthony Rizzo, or give a guy a longer a longer contract, give them a lot of financial security in return for a couple extra years of stability in the lineup. You know, we haven't been able to do that with um, for whatever reason. You know, some guys' agents won't do extensions. Um, you know, some guys haven't thought it was the right time for them to do an extension. So, um, so basically, what's happened is the core of that core team that came together in '15, that won in '16 and '17 and '18. You know, they're all getting to the point they're near free agency, and there's nothing I can do about how player salaries escalate as they get further along in their careers. We just have to manage it to the best we can. As, heard, a, as a fan, and what, what, what's your reaction as a fan to the system, knowing that guys who you would still like to retain, you know, economically well, might fan, not be able to? Look, as a fan, um, you know, part of the reason so many fans love the 69 team, for example, love that team, is those guys were together for a long time. You had a lot of time to get to know Ernie, you know, and Fergie and Ronnie and, and Glenn Becker and all those guys. And, you know, that's fabulous. I wish it was still the case that that was the way players, um, you know, that you got them on a team and you got to keep them forever. But, but the reality is players have the ability to, to move on and the system is different. And so you do what you can. And, you know, it's just, a, uh, just a, something we have to deal with. Javi Baez sounded yesterday like he would like to have that core stay together and he would like to be a Cub for the entirety of his career. How likely is it that he could sign a contract extension before opening day? And there's, this, there's sort of this perception outside the Cubs in Chicago that it's either Javi or Chris Bryant to stay with the Cubs long term. Um, what's the reality of that? Well, that's really a Theo question. I mean, the, uh, you know, we've, he, he's in, he, in a... He? It's a Theo question. I mean, it's his responsibility to allocate our resources. Uh, you know, and one of the things that, uh, that um, you know, I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves is, I mean, he's one of the best in the game, and uh, we just have to, we have, we have to trust his judgment on these things. You know, obviously, once again, like, you know, back to Bruce's question, it'd be awesome to keep everyone together forever. You know, there's, there's a, that sounds great, but, but the economic realities of the way players, uh, the way players work their way toward free agency, you know, make it difficult. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see how, how many that How $35 million dollar players can you have, can any team have? I mean, you, you are looking at guys that legitimately have earned the right to make between $25 and $35 million because of the comparisons in baseball to similar. But from a franchise point, I mean, regardless, like you said, you spent, you know, the most money in baseball last year when it came to the bottom line. How far can you go? Well, everyone, I mean, everyone's going to reach constraints at some point. But, like, the, um, but you make another point. Like, now, like, the guys that are coming to the free agency this year, they're all $33, $34 million a year guys. And, and you can only spend every dollar once. So when you, when, you, when you bring in those kind of guys, you know you're sacrificing another player in the future. And, um, you know, once again, uh, we have great baseball leadership. They... Uh, you know, I think we can trust them to put the best team on the field and also to think about what's best for the organization over the, not just 2020, but future years. Tom Ricketts for a couple more minutes here on The Score inside the clubhouse. Bruce Levine and David Haw in for Matt Spiegel. Tom, we have you here, so we, be, we have to discuss the, the, what's you know, around Major League Baseball, the biggest story of the week, sign-stealing scandal um, with the Astros, with the Red Sox. It affected the Mets. How surprised were you, and as somebody as a chairman of, of a big market team, how, how concerned are you that um, this will affect the game's appeal in the, the fallout from the people reacting to this? Well, I mean, I was very, very surprised when, when the news came out, when that, you know, when, uh, 
you know, Mike Fires came forward, and then the uh, then some people came up with found the video and that kind of like reinforced it. Um, I mean, obviously uh, in 2017, there were teams that were a couple teams were the Red Sox in particular were sanctioned for figuring out the sign sequence to tell the batter when he got to second base. And that was pretty bad. The commissioner put out a pretty stern memo mm-hmm. saying don't use electronics to steal signs. Sure. And it, it was very, very direct. And that was the middle of September of 2017. And then to find out another team not only didn't listen to that memo, but went to the next step to try to steal pitch signs um, you know, in, you know, during the at-bat, that, that was pretty shocking, and uh, I just, you know, my my, you know, from from my two cents, I think the commissioner did a great job of doing an investigation that started quickly, finished quickly. Uh, I, I won't opine on sanctions; it's not for me to talk about how we uh, how we sanction other teams. But I think MLB did a really nice. If job somebody on who was punished becomes a free agent, or you know, whether it's a manager or an executive, and this is not the end of this uh, process, there could be other managers, it could be other executives punished. Would you be reluctant in the future to hire somebody like that with that in his past? Yeah, you know, um, it's a good question. I, I guess probably. You know, I think it's, it's going to be a consideration when, uh, how, I mean, I know there's a couple guys have already been suspended for a year. There might be a, a couple more. I don't know. Uh, when they come back and when they're available again, it, anyone that's going to hire them, they'll have to think about that. You know, it's just, it's, uh, it's a reality. Tom, uh, you talked yesterday about, in, in your speech to open the convention, about how the Cubs have uh, probably spent more money and put more money toward charity than any team in Major League Baseball. That's something to be pretty proud of. I mean, I, you just went past that very quickly, but it's, it's pretty significant uh, considering that people are calling the Cubs uh, uh, pretty much a cheap organization in this offseason because they're not going over their threshold. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I think those are kind of unrelated a bit. Like, I think... <laughs> well, the, but uh, it, all, it all comes back to the almighty dollar. Whoops. Yeah, the... Um, well, obviously, uh, Cubs Charities, uh, we really put a lot of uh, work into Cubs Charities over the years. We're very, very proud of it. We run baseball programs all over the city. We do scholarship programs. Uh, we, and we do a lot in the neighborhood around Wrigley as well. Um, and it is, you know, it's a $10 million a year kind of thing that we put together, uh, close to $10 million a year, and, um, and we're really, really excited about it. Last and thing before we let you go, Tom, really well. and really appreciate your time this morning. We know you got a lot of uh, selfies to pose for and, and, and hands to shake. Yep. Um, when, you, when you walk around the Cubs convention this weekend, when we open the show, I think I use the word awkward to describe sort of the vibe because there's this tentativeness, this uncertainty. How excited are you about a team that you don't really know what the team is going to be on opening day. Uh, it's been 84 victory team last year. In, you tend to get, gather at the convention and talk about the ways that this team has improved going into the next season. A lot of that is on hold. A lot of that hasn't happened yet. And a lot of that Theo Epstein talked yesterday about is yet to, to come. But he did seem pretty optimistic that there would be changes. What do you sense when you walk around? Is, there, is that an is awkward, accurate way to describe this, this weekend for Cubs fans? Well, I mean, there, obviously there's a few more uncertainties than there have been in previous years just because there hasn't been any major trades or, or any major signings. But, but I, I, honestly, I, I think fans should do a couple of things. First of all, remind themselves that our, the, core of the, organiza- the core of the team is still the team that, that won the World Series a couple of years ago. 
And, uh, and when you add David Ross and the energy he brings to the clubhouse and the respect he has from the players, I was down at Kyle Schwarber's wedding, and, and the players are all very excited to, uh, to, to, to play for David. And, and I think that's going to bring new energy to, um, you know, to, the, to the club. If we stay healthy, we're as good as anyone in our division. People should you know, be, remind themselves of that. And then finally, look, guys, we can trust Theo and Jed. They're, they're smart guys. They know what they're doing. They, uh, they've done it for us before. I know there's a little bit of anxiety because there's no, there's no big thing to point to yet this offseason. But, um, but everyone should be comfortable that we're going to put a great team on the field, and, and it's going to be another great season. Can you just tell us about those trades he's going to make here in the next <laughs> month? And then everybody can I don't know. I, I don't know any of that stuff. Like the, we'll see. But, but, you know, but honestly, like, uh, and even if there aren't big trades, I mean, we've got a great core. Right. You know, Rossi said it best. He's like, why would I want to trade? I love these guys. So, um, Anyway, so the, uh, I think everyone should be looking forward to the season and, uh, and, and just like, just deep breath, still a great team. Sorry we don't have like, uh, you know, uh, you know a, a, a prize free agent to talk about or, or something sexier right now at, yeah. at, at, right. at, uh, yeah. at convention. But, <laughs> um, but ultimately, uh, just remind yourself that it's a great core, great guys, the guys we know we can trust. With a manager, we know that uh, we'll, we'll give them new energy. Thank you for being here. Yeah, Thanks, guys. Good to see you. Thank you. Tom Ricketts, the chairman of the Chicago Cubs at the Cubs convention. Our Cubs convention coverage is sponsored by the Wintrust Crosstown Series. Now's your chance to vote on a new trophy design. Visit Wintrust.com slash Crosstown. Bruce Levine, and I'm David Hahn from Matt Spiegel. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back we're at the cups convention inside the clubhouse bruce levine i'm david haw 
in for Matt Spiegel, who was on vacation, tweeted this morning where he's going. Did you see that, Bruce? Rubbed it in? No, he's somewhere From the plane warm. on his way to the Bahamas. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, shirking his responsibility. Well, his again. loss, because we just had a good conversation with Tom now, Ricketts. Where would you and, rather um, be, the Bahamas or the Cub Convention? Well, I, that's an easy question. We're yeah, here, right? We're here. That's where we want to be. Where else would you rather be? Yeah, well, you know, he's got a nice wife, and, you know, they have to... So, yeah, good for Matt, good for him to get away. Uh, we had a good conversation, Bruce, and I think that when you, when you hear Tom um, talk as openly as he did just about the realities of a budget and, and trying to you know, stay within the threshold of the luxury tax, it's not what fans want to hear because every winter fans want to be the team that outspends everybody for Garrett Cole or for Anthony Rendon, or for your favorite free agent, a guy who you look at as the answer to a a nagging problem or question. That's not realistic. And I think what you heard was some some realistic assessment of where the Cubs are. They spend a lot of money. They spend as much, if not more, than anybody in baseball. But there are are limitations to that exorbitant approach to uh, to your roster building. Look, when, uh, when some of your contracts don't work out, and you're not getting optimum performance out of people, then your record suffers, and therefore you're stuck. Uh, again, you know, the, the, you have to look at how much money they've had, how much of that, I'm going to say at least half and maybe more of that payroll was for pitching, okay? Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, knowing that the Cub organization hasn't, have not produced one viable pitcher in eight years, there's, there's a big disconnect right there. That's the price you pay for not being able to draft and develop your own. Right. I mean, because we have compared it, and it's like in the NFL, when you have a, a quarterback that is, excels before his second contract and he has on his rookie contract, you can surround your roster with players that are expensive and valuable and difference makers. When you're Major League Baseball, when you draft and develop your own pitching, it's the similar the similar uh, dynamic in relationship but to your budget. The Cubs haven't done that because they haven't been able to, to draft and develop young pitching, and that has been why they've gone out and bought it. But they've bought a very good rotation. Right. And again, you know, uh, when you have that much good pitching, speaking of good pitching, here comes one of the top Cub pitchers to join us on Inside the Clubhouse as our good friend uh, Kyle Hendricks sits down to join us. On 670 The Score, live from the convention, and uh, welcome. David and I were waiting for you, and here you are. Welcome, perfect, Kyle. Perfect timing, yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks how for having is, me. How was your convention? We were just talking about uh, the, the rising costs of starting pitching, and not that you're you know, one of those guys who necessarily falls in that category. You're a relative bargain based on what you're looking around baseball, but just in terms of the drafting and developing and how much that has become a priority, and when you can do that successfully, it can solve a lot of other problems. You've been the beneficiary being on a very solid rotation, a team that has gone out and invested in the starting rotation. As we sit here today, as we anticipate, you know, you're, you're the veteran of a staff here. You're, you've been here a while. How would you describe your place on this Cubs rotation? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, we, we are very lucky, like you said. We're lucky to have the guys we have to have the ownership to go out and spend the money on these guys. Um, you know, we just got a bunch of studs in our rotation, to be honest with you. Lester, Darvish, Q, all these guys, they take the ball every fifth day. They're out there, and they get the job done. So, And to be honest with you, in baseball, I mean, that's where you win is pitching and defense. So 
being being strong in those aspects, and it starts with uh, the balls in our hand, you know, to get set the tone for the game. So yeah, I think uh, I'm just lucky to be a part of that group, and we try and we try and you know operate as that as a group. We kind of push each other, test each other, you know, make each other better, and uh, that's all part of the process. So I'm just excited to uh, get to see all the guys here again, you know, after the winter, and now we got one month, and we'll get going again. So apparently, you signed a year too soon. <laughs> is that how every player looks at it after they get what you considered and what the Cubs considered a very fair and good contract for you? And as you admitted, takes care of you and your family for a lifetime. There is pitchers that haven't accomplished what you uh, accomplished, getting you know a hundred million dollar deal in the offseason. A former Met pitcher who's very good, has great stuff, but not as accomplished as you are. How, how do you internalize that? Yeah, you know, you can't worry about all that stuff. That's all outside noise. And at the end of the day, there's always going to be situations like that. You know, that, that's kind of how it was coming up for me. There's always going to be bigger prospects or guys with more stuff, guys getting more money. So at the end of the day, I mean, I love the game of baseball and I love pitching. And that's really what it comes down to. So, And I love pitching for the Chicago Cubs. So when it came to time to make that decision to sign my extension, it was a no-brainer for me. I guess yeah. it goes, uh, David, you know, you know Kyle as well as I do kind of goes with the type of person you are you know where you you said you know that's that's a great contract even though moving forward to free agency which would have been soon for you it could have been double for sure and to be honest with you it's for me for my personality like you said I it takes care of me and my family for for the rest of my life you know so that's number one but number two is it's not about the money for me. It's about going out and pitching and playing baseball and loving the game. And so to have that extension now and not year after year to have to talk to your agent and talk to the teams and go through all these numbers, I don't have to do that anymore. You know, So now it's all on the baseball. That's all I focus on. I focus on getting myself ready, going out and pitching and the competition of the game, and that's what it's all about. You know, It's really not about the money at the end of the day. Cubs pitcher Kyle Hendricks joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Hogan for Matt Spiegel with Bruce Levine. And the bottom of the hour here at the Cubs convention is brought to you by Northwestern Basketball. Join Northwestern Basketball at the new Welsh Ryan Arena this season. Home opponents include Maryland, Ohio State, Michigan, and Purdue. Single-game tickets to see Chicago's Big Ten teams are on sale now at nusports.com. So, Kyle, you've come to these conventions before where the expectations have been through the roof, and you've had people lined up with talking World Series and talking about uh, 95 wins and, and everything that, that, that you have seen since 2016 that was realistic in terms of expecting. This is a little bit different offseason. The Cubs have yet to be real aggressive in the trade market. There haven't been a lot of free agent signings. How would you describe the change in approach or... or the change in expectations do you feel it do you guys talk about that is that uh, welcome or unwelcome yeah so you know I think amongst the group there really hasn't been a change of expectation I think that's the funny thing every offseason is different as far as the amount of moves that are made who you get who you lose so that's nothing different that's just part of the game but at the end of the day no I think our expectation is the World Series that's what we have and we have the group to do it to be honest with you we've been there before we have a bunch of winners on our team and so really the biggest part of this offseason then has been the leader that we have, you know, for our team at the top, Rossi. And bringing him in as the new manager, I think I think it's going to be awesome just having a new energy around, um, the accountability that he's going to bring. And, you know, he's not afraid to have the tough conversations. So What's it going to be like? You threw to him in Game 7 of a World Series, and now he's going to be your manager who's going to come out on a hot day in July in the middle of the 4th, and you're going to have to discuss whether or not it makes sense for you to stay in the game. Those conversations are going to be a lot different in the context of him as the manager versus the guy that you were throwing to. 
Definitely. They're going to be different as far as what role he has. But at the end of the day, when he was a player, uh, he was the best teammate probably all of us ever had. And the level of respect that he had already as a player, he was the leader already of the team, you know, uh, the best teammate, like I said. So now to take over the role of manager, it, it seems just natural. And I really don't think it's going to be that different. You know, he has the respect. We know who he is. We know how hard he works. And we know what he expects out of the guys around him, whether it's his teammates or now the guys playing for him, you know. So I think it's really not going to be a transition at all. And I think that's why we're so excited just to get to work with him and just see what he has for us. So for a pitcher who depends on pinpoint control, command, uh, being smarter than the hitter, and I'm sure all pitchers try to do that, um, when you see a Mark, Mike Fires come out with this information about how the Astros were cheating, is he a... Um, is he a hero or is he a bum? I mean, how, how is this going to be looked at? And I've already found out from talking to a couple of your teammates that I'm going to hear some things on the record and some things off the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think every team operates differently. And so, number one, for him just to come out and admit that and say it is it takes a lot of confidence, I think, because there's obviously going to be a lot of blowback on him from former teammates, former coaches and all that. But... At the end of the day, there really is no place in the game for something like that. You know, we've talked about it before that there's things you can do in game. Yeah, to steal signs or to cheat in a way, you know. You have a guy on second base looking at the catcher trying to figure out the sequence and you happen to pick it up and now you're relaying signs. And that's all part of the game. There's things we can do as pitchers to combat that, have different sets of signs, all these things. But when you get to using, you know, electronics and sending in buzzes to the hitters of what pitch is coming, there's really nothing you can do to, to combat that as a pitcher. So it is very frustrating, but I think uh, there have been a lot of great sanctions already sent down, and I think MLB's kind of gotten the word with, that, with that those, this is going to uh, buzzers, I guess you uh, know why some people don't want to be doused with Gatorade at the end of the game. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it it can be very suspect, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, so, Kyle, Alex Wood tweeted out, I think, on Friday that he would rather face a hitter who was maybe – enhanced with performance enhancing drugs and on PEDs than he would somebody who knew what pitch was coming who was cheating you know use taking advantage in the way that the Astros and then the Red Sox that we know of took advantage as a pitcher what do you think I mean you don't want to face either one you like everything to be on the up and up but can you see where that perspective do you agree with that I mean, I can see what he's saying for sure. I definitely can understand what he's saying. But like you said, at the end of the day, you don't want any of that to happen. You really don't want either one. Um, it can work against you in both ways. You know, a guy taking steroids, he could, you could make a good pitch. He pops a ball up in essence, but it carries and it's a home run, you know. And then if a guy knows what's coming, there's times in a game where, honestly, a guy knows what's coming. Okay, like I, I'm, I'm going to my changeup. He knows it's coming. You can still make a good pitch with that, and you can still get him out, you know, or get a swing and miss. So... You can still get around that, but no, in the long run, if they know everyone that's coming, there's much higher chance they're going to get you eventually. And that, so, yeah, both of those are tough to deal with. Kyle, that said, I, I asked Darvish yesterday if most of the time he thinks somebody is has his pitches, he knows it, okay? Um, and I asked him further into that how, how this was obtained, how this information was obtained. So uh, when you see pitcher, is there a certain degree of frustration depending on, well, it's against this guy and we know in this ballpark they're screwing us compared to, hey, the guy at the second base relayed the number, uh, relayed the sign, I missed my location. Yeah, so I don't think, I haven't really been able to realize, 
you know, if teams are using something outside of the norm. It's hard, been hard for me to distinguish that, but you're right. You definitely do get a sense and you can feel when guys know, start to know what's coming or they're getting tipped or something is, something's just off. You know, you, you throw a sequence of pitches in there and somehow they're on a pitch that really they shouldn't be. And if it happens more than once, then your red flags start going up, you know, and you have to make adjustments. But as far as being able to distinguish whether they're just doing the stuff in-game, picking from second base or anything more, that's pretty hard to distinguish for me. So I think just having things that you can use, all kinds of different sets of signs, having, you know, being close with your catcher to be able to work through that in the middle of an inning, those are the things that or are important. Or you give the guy a close shave once in a while. That too. That always works too. You know, not much for a guy throwing 86, but uh, <laughs> we get another guy still out there get out work. Of the way. Yeah, You're right, you're right. It'll yeah. still hurt a little bit, yeah. yeah. Kyle, so how do you spend your off season, and, and how much time do you devote to it? The, the game has gotten so sophisticated in the approach and the analytics and the things, the amount of, amount of research and how intricate it can be. Do you deal with that in the offseason? Do you get away from the game entirely? What have you been doing the last couple months? Yeah, no, so you definitely don't get You get away entirely, I guess, for a little while. I'd say you take two weeks. When it, when it ends and the season's over, you take two weeks to kind of decompress, get away from it. Then you get right back in. You start working out again, getting yourself, your body in shape, getting ready for the next season. And I would say once you start throwing again, you take about two months off of throwing. So after two months, I start playing catch, going through that process. That's when I might start watching a little video again, take video of what I look like. You're just trying to make sure you're repeating your mechanics, making sure you're doing the same things you've been doing normally, you know. But we have such a good group behind the scenes. Um, you know, it starts with Tommy Hadavi, our pitching coach, and Borzello all down the line. These guys, they pay attention to all those, the numbers, the analytics. And so for me, I'll go through a bullpen, and I'll have all the numbers. They'll look at them. And if something stands out, a number is out of whack, they'll come to me and we'll address it. And I, it can really help you for consistency, I guess. Where'd you go for your two weeks? Two weeks? I was in Chicago, actually. You spent your two I weeks in Chicago to I get know, away? I know. You got away well, from the Cubs by staying in Chicago? I took a vacation after that. Okay, I took a vacation right, yeah. later, but I, I was in Chicago. <laughs> I, it's nice just to lay low, honestly. When you're, there's so much going on at the end of the year, just to get away, lay low, and so, enjoy the city. Splitting your yourself into the fan and the player, when... You see a tough situation like Craig Kimbrell came to the team in the middle of the season, kind of unprecedented, tried to get into baseball condition and be the pitcher that he was, not work out. Uh, as a player, you understand how hard that is. As a fan of the game, people are going, we just paid you a ton of money. You're the best closer in the last 10 years. You're not getting the job done. Uh, where, do, where do players fall in on those type of yeah, things? Yeah, yeah, it's so tough to... And you got, we're such routine-oriented people, you know, and we've been doing the same thing every year for our entire life. And so to have a big change to that, like you said, missing a whole spring training, missing part of a season, that, that is a big, big obstacle, really, to overcome. And so Craig, I mean, he's one of the hardest workers out there. You see him, everything he's doing in the weight room, throwing his bullpens, right. everything he can to try and get sharp and get ready at the end of the year. But Sometimes you just can't overcome. There can't the be setback. any you suck moments for teammates, right? No, 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 not at all. Can't. No, not at all. Especially when a guy's putting in the work. You know, if, if a guy isn't doing something right, then obviously, yeah, you're going to let him know. Yeah, but he, he was a hard worker. Oh, he is. Job. He's a top-notch professional. He's one of the best at what he does. And so, no, I don't question one thing from him. And so that's why I'm really excited just for him to show up in spring. You know, day one and get a full season and back to normal for him. I guess as he usually does. Kyle, thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah for Kyle Hendricks, always. Cubs pitcher. Joining us on Inside the Clubhouse, and this segment is brought to you by PropSwap. PropSwap is where America buys and sells legal sports bets. Before you make your next bet, be sure to check out PropSwap.com. 
to see what's for sale. Guaranteed better odds than any local bookie can offer all season long. Prop Swap customers have been snatching up 201 odds on Lamar Jackson to win MVP tickets. Now those tickets are just about ready to cash. Go to PropSwap.com right now to find out which long shot is up for sale next. Find the best odds in the world right now on PropSwap.com. Back in a moment on Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to score with Inside the Clubhouse. Welcome back inside the clubhouse here at the Sheridan Grand. Bruce Levine, I'm David Hall, and for Matt Spiegel, we just talked to Kyle Hendricks here on 670 The Scores, Chicago Sports Radio, Bruce, and not a nicer guy in the clubhouse than Kyle Hendricks. No, he's just, you know, he's any guy that you would meet, whether he's a pitcher or a plumber or a whatever, he's just a great person. So you're always fortunate to have a conversation or be around a guy like Kyle Hendricks. Before that, we heard from Tom Ricketts, a pretty interesting interview. One of the things I thought was stood out about Ricketts' uh, talk Bruce was that asking him about would he hire somebody down the road that yeah. was implicated yeah, in was some of these sign stealing scandals, and um, he said no. Yeah, he'd be reluctant to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it is, it is cheating. It was on their watch. You know, if we're talking about Hinch or we're talking about Cora, they're considered two of the better baseball people in the whole world. Uh, both won world championships. Both highly thought of in the baseball industry. However, what Tom says is he's going to cheat and allow cheating to go on, even though he didn't, uh, you know, in case of Hinch, didn't, didn't say it was okay. He knew what was going on. He said, that's not the type of guy I can trust. So we're just getting started here. We have a lot more to go. Next hour, we're going to talk to Jason Hayward. We're expecting Tommy Hadovy, the pitching coach for the Chicago Cubs, to stop by. We are going to build a bridge to DePaul basketball with Zach Zaidman at 11.45. And then after that, uh, Julie and Maggie are going to be on the program. They've got a, a star-studded uh, guest lineup as well. Yeah, they're, they're going to talk to Ryan Sandberg. Pat Hughes, of course, is going to join them. Kyle Schwarber. So stick around all day for live coverage from the convention here. And here are all your uh, top Cub fan, uh, Cub players uh, here on The Score. He's Bruce Levine. I'm David Hodd from Matt Spiegel inside the clubhouse here at Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.